Coming at you live from the KTSW studios in San Marcos, Texas, this is Bobcat Radio. Howdy, everyone, and welcome to this Friday morning edition of Bobcat Radio. The day is April 28th, 2023, and I'm your host, Paxton Graff. I hope you all are having a great week, and if not, then I've got Joey Gonzalez, J.P. Flanagan right here on the board behind me. We've got a great show for you today filled with Bobcat baseball and softball, as well as some NFL and NBA updates. So make sure to stay tuned in for the entirety of this episode so you don't miss a single thing. But before we get into it, let's throw it to J.P. Flanagan with a word from our sponsor. Twin Peaks Restaurant and Sports Bar is a sponsor of this broadcast of Bobcat Radio. Located on the northbound frontage road of I-35 at Guadalupe Street in San Marcos, Twin Peaks has bites, wings, burgers, sandwiches, and more. Info menu at TwinPeaksRestaurant.com. Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. Thank you, JP. Now let's kick this thing off with some Texas State softball. So on Wednesday, unfortunately for the Bobcats, they suffered a 3-0 loss against the number 18th ranked Baylor Bears. Now one thing to consider in this is that they called the game at the bottom of the six because there was a little twister in the Waco (laughs) area. And they're like, we got to get these girls home and safe. We got to call this game. And so they did. And unfortunately for the Bobcats, they lost yet again another game to a ranked opponent this season. Guys, what does y'all think of this performance? I don't know if y'all were able to watch it. It was at 3 o'clock on Wednesday, so I know a lot of us had classes. But what does y'all think? Yeah, first of all, a 3 o'clock game on a weekday. Uh, I thought that was a little bit weird. <laughs> yes. But um, the twister also, just not, I don't even consider that a game. I mean, it. It started at 3 o'clock. You had a tornado warning, so I don't consider that a game. So I'm going to go back to last weekend's game, and Texas State was able to sweep ULM. They won 3-2, 5-1, 3-1. So coming off of a good um, series, they've really struggled in midweek games this year with an 8-0 loss against A&M uh, last week, and then uh, two weeks ago they got swept against the Louisiana Region Cajuns. But despite all those ups and downs. I mean, looking like a mountaintop right now. Texas State is currently in fifth place in the Sunbelt Conference, so JP, not a bad position for this Bobcat team, but you would like to see consistency that really they've lacked all year. Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate the way that game ended the other day. I mean, I, you can't count the Bobcats out. I mean, it's getting another inning in there might have, you know, helped if in favor of the Bobcats, but I mean, it feels like every every place in Texas has kind of had this tornado warning in the past few weeks. It's kind of been hectic weather since since then, but I mean, yeah, looking back at that last uh, series, I mean, it was kind of po- a positive one, looking that, you know, they outscored their opponent heavily. I think it was 11-3 on the weekend. So, I mean, that's something that the Bobcats like to build on, um, especially since, you know, they were coming off a rough stretch where, as you mentioned, they lost lost uh, a series sweep to the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. And they got another good team coming up. This Marshall team is no joke. I mean, they've only dropped seven games all season, and, and they're one of the top teams in the conference. So, I mean, if you can kind of build off that success you had against ULM, uh, you know, a bottom team in the Sun Belt Conference, then then you should be looking good. Yeah, it's a pretty crucial series right now. Marshall, as JP just mentioned, 39-7 and with a 13-3 and record in the Sun Belt Conference, currently ranked second. So a big series coming up, especially with Texas State going over there to West Virginia. 
Six games left in the season. You got one road stand and then you got a home stand next weekend, May 4th through the 6th. So real critical time of the year. You want to get your bats hot. You want to keep your pitching looking as good as they've looked all year long. But JP, these final six games, what are you what are you really looking at? I mean, it's crucial and it's really going to come down to, you know, taking advantage of these opportunities, especially going into that Sunbelt Conference where it'll be so competitive and everyone's going to be fighting for, you know, the, the championship on that one, you know, because at the end of the day, it really means a spot in the tournament. And I think that, you know, Texas State, if they're wanting to cement themselves in, in that tournament, if if at all possible, then you're going to have to, you know, win in the Sunbelt. And, you know, if you can put some impressive wins against Marshall, I mean, the bats haven't been so hot, but if you can get, you know, find some sort of momentum at the end of the year i mean you're destined to find some success in that conference tournament well i was just gonna say yeah you want to look hot going into that final tournament and you have six to go you got west virginia uh you're going out to west virginia this weekend well i'm glad that y'all mentioned that series against marshall this weekend because game one is actually about to pitch off in about 55 minutes from now on espn plus so y'all make sure to go tune in Watch the Bobcats take on the Marshall Thundering Herd today at 12 p.m. Now let's move on to the other side of things, Texas State Baseball, who they're looking to bounce back this series, this weekend series, against the fourth-ranked in-conference Old Dominion Monarchs. I mean, guys, what's 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 it looking like for the baseball team right now? And They gave up, what was it, 20-plus 20, 20 runs in their last game. Uh, last weekend series last weekend what are they looking to bounce back with this weekend series yeah I think you want to sweep that one under the rug not a very uh, pretty performance when they were over there at Troy they lost 8-10 in the first game 22-5 in the second game but found a way to win on Sunday 9-5 and then they're coming off of a dominant performance against Prairie View A&M but Old Dominion I'm sure JP is about to touch on this one Old Dominion's a really good team they're currently sitting fourth in the Sunbelt Conference but Texas State is tied with them. It's a five-way tie for fourth place with four of those teams being 10-8. and eight. I mean, this is also another crucial crucial series, not as close to the end of the season as softball is, but you start to look at these series. You got four left before the Sunbelt Conference Tournament, and you got to think that each one is going to start to prove uh, crucial going until the end of the season on May 20th. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. This is a, you know, Old Dominion team that's having a good season of their own. And you're going to need to take advantage of these conference, you know, games where you, you, where you build up these, um, you know, valued wins in the Sun Belt, especially against a team that's 27-13 right now and, you know, is also fighting for a spot in the in the tournament at the end of the year. So, I mean, it's going to be kind of crucial for Texas State to get these uh, valued wins, especially after, you know, a crucial loss um, to the in the Troy series where I felt like Texas State was in command at first. I mean, getting to a 4-0 lead with Levi Wells and then dropping to 4-2 in the next inning and then ultimately losing the game 10-8 in that first one. And I think after that, the, the series kind of just went off the rails. But, I mean, to start the weekend, it uh, seems to be the one consistent thing is they're going to start Levi Wells in that first game. So hopefully they're able to you know get the first game out of the way and then uh, build some confidence from there and steal the series. Yeah, you talk about consistency. Levi Wells has looked really good whenever he is on out there on the mound. You talk about the exception with that Troy game. But other than that, Levi Wells is your great... Friday starter. I, I personally think that all three starters all through the weekend are are really good. So they just got to find a way to get that consistency. You have to get a series win this weekend if you want to be considered one of those top five teams in the Sunbelt Conference. Because I think a loss against Old Dominion this weekend really sets them back, especially with uh, the fact that they have to go to Louisiana May 12th through the, the 14th. That's a really difficult series as well. Difficult series in the future for the Bobcats. They really need to bounce back this time. So I got to ask, we're not calling this game, 
What are y'all thinking? We sweep or, excuse me, Texas State sweeps, splits, or gets swept? What are y'all thinking for this weekend series? I mean, if we're looking at history, I think that, you know, probably a sweep or not a sweep, a, a, a balanced series. I mean, this is an Old Dominion team that's not just going to get walked over, um, especially where they're playing right now. I mean, it's a good team. And I think that Texas State probably ends up ba- finding a way to balance this one and hopefully pull the series out um, 2-1. But yeah, this is an Old Dominion team that's no joke. And I mean, that last game against Prairie View A&M hopefully, you know, got things heated up because... Um, yeah, that Old Dominion team's, you know, fighting for the same thing that Texas State's fighting for, and that's, you know, conference value and, and the conference championship. Texas State has never played Old Dominion in their baseball history, so it's going to be interesting. We talked about how tight it is. I got to go in 2-1 or 1-2. I don't see a sweep from either team, but as I said a moment ago, Texas State needs to win this series, but I don't know, especially going off of that last weekend against Troy, that blowout, it makes it difficult, but I... I do think Texas State can win in a Sunday matchup. Well, Texas State, the first game of that series, will pitch off tonight at 5 p.m. right there on ESPN+. Plus. So y'all make sure to tune into that one as it could be a really entertaining series. It looks like it's going to be a close one, probably split, but we will see if either team possibly gets a sweep. Well, that's going to do it for our local segment of this show. But on the other side of this break, we're going to zoom out, talk about some national sports, starting off with the New York Knicks getting their first playoff win in 10 years. So y'all make sure to stay tuned for that. On the other side of this break, you're listening to KTSW 89.9. And welcome back to this Friday edition of Bobcat Radio. Let's get right into it with some national news NBA playoff update, first round update. Let's start off with the New York Knicks. The New York Knicks have officially won their first playoff series in 10 years with a 4-1 series victory over the Cleveland Cavaliers. I mean, guys, this is this is a long time coming for them, but they were they obviously showed the electricity after that win. What did y'all see? in that series and what are y'all seeing in this upcoming series against the heat now yeah absolutely i mean this this knicks team is totally dominant over that Cavs team and really just the Cavs just showed no sign of progress in that series and the knicks just uh, absolutely uh, dominated and really i think in this next series it'll be crucial for the knicks because they're playing an eight-seeded heat team now that's you know playing their best right now with their best player you know playing lights out so it'll be interesting to see if they're able to capitalize playing the eight seed i mean i think this is easily a series where the heat are able to you know take another one so, I mean, it'd be very interesting to see if the Knicks are able to capitalize, especially with the moves they made in the offseason and the addition of Jalen Brunson and that now their newfound success in the playoffs. Yeah, it's going to be a fun series to watch. Definitely some teams that we didn't expect, especially with the Heat being in that play-in game. But, I mean, Jimmy Buckets, he's going crazy. I think he was averaging, what, 30-something points a game? I mean, he had a 50-point performance in Game 4, Game 5. I mean, he's going crazy. This is a Heat team who just dominated the Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, a 4-1 Victory. It was the first time a one seed had lost since 2012 or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, 10 years Heat, as well. Yeah, the Heat were dominant, and I think that the Heat can take this one, especially if they were able to take out Giannis that easily. I'm scared to see what they could do against the Knicks. Yeah, definitely. The Knicks, they did a great job, I mean, handling Cleveland. I mean, the Cleveland Cavaliers, congrats to them for even making the playoffs, winning a playoff game. That's, you know, they haven't really done much since LeBron left. And, in his absence so I mean kudos to them for kind of getting the game in there but the Knicks handled that series very well but the Heat I don't think anyone 
the way that Jimmy Butler's playing right now, it's just amazing. He's by far the best player right now in the playoffs. And, I mean, one of my best friends, Corey, he's a really big Heat fan, and he was telling me that as he as a Heat fan just watching the games, there's nobody in the East really scares them until they get to the Celtics, um, which would be in the Eastern Conference Finals. So he's feeling like the Knicks um, won't really have much to kind of kind of shout them out the I mean the, I mean he, he doesn't think the the Knicks really have anything for Jimmy Butler and I'd have to agree just I mean if, if you've seen him play just in the closeout game alone 42 points I mean he's just and when, when you mentioned Joey the 56 point performance before that so I, I I have to agree with my friend Corey that Heat are definitely going to handle business until they get to and then, I mean I think they'll still be able to handle business against the Celtics but that's going to be their first actual test well, let's let's talk about the Celtics real quick. They officially are done with the series against the Atlanta Hawks with a four to two series uh, win last night over the Atlanta Hawks. They will be moving on now. Playoff against the 76ers. That will be an entertaining series. What do y'all see out of that one? What does y'all see about this last series? I think it went a little bit longer than most people expected. Six games, but. It was still a really fun and entertaining series overall. Yeah, I mean, I think the Celtics would be the first ones to tell you that they didn't really plan on that Atlanta Hawks series going six games. I mean, especially when they didn't even have DeJounte Murray because he got suspended for one game in that game uh, five. I mean, just for Trey Young to steal a game like that is crucial because obviously the Celtics team's not going to have much rest going into the 76ers series where they easily swept the Brooklyn Nets and now they're having to play a Celtics team that's you know coming off of only two to three days of rest. But I think it's awesome for the fans of, of the sport because now we're getting basically an Easter Conference Finals matchup just in the second round and it'll be quite entertaining because whatever team does win this we would probably expect them to make a finals run um, especially in the Easter Conference where it's kind of wide open right now I mean besides Jimmy Buckets and the Butler I mean and Jimmy Butler I mean and, and the Bucks being eliminated I mean who's going to win the East now and it's going to be I think it's it probably comes from one of these two teams here in the 76ers and Celtics series. Definitely. I feel like the, uh, I mean, I, I think it'll be the Celtics will be able to handle the Sixers. I feel like with um, Jalen Brown and the way Jason Tatum are playing right now, I don't. I just don't think the Sixers play that much of playoff basketball. Cause I'm, one thing about um, James Harden and the way he plays is just that when you're looking for fouls, you just don't really kind of get those when it comes in the playoffs. And uh, I mean, I know Justin will tell you that freaking uh, Joel Embiid shoots 100 free throws a game. So, I mean, and it's not, it's obviously an exaggeration, but it's not completely false. I mean, the Sixers do shoot a lot of free throws. So, I feel like playoff basketball doesn't really reward that. So, we'll see if they can kind of maybe change their game a little bit to kind of combat that. But I think the Celtics will be able to handle that. And then we'll be, the Heat will be waiting for them in the Eastern Conference Finals. <laughs> pretty confident there about the Heat, but yeah, y'all both made some some pretty good points about the about the fouls. Looking for fouls, it will be interesting to see. It's going to be a physical series at that. But JP mentioned a good point also about the rest, the Celtics with that those two extra games. Meanwhile, the Sixers. I mean, were they even challenged by the Nets? I mean, the Nets. The only reason they're there was because of the first half of the year. Or so. It should be interesting to see how the Celtics respond to less rest than the Sixers and then to Orlando's point about the fouls. So interesting series coming up in the Eastern semis. Well, we talked about the feast in the East. Now let's switch it over. Talk about the wild, wild West because the Golden State Warriors 
are officially one game away for mm-hmm. moving on and potentially playing against the Los Angeles Lakers. I mean, what a series it has been. First, it looked like the Kings were going to just completely obliterate the Warriors in those first two games. Warriors bounced back in those following two to split the series. And then this last game, Warriors took it in Sacramento, which has been unheard of in this playoff run so far. Uh, what are y'all looking like? What is what is it looking like in this series? They're going back to Golden State. They got to win. The Kings have to win to force a Game 7. I mean, this is definitely... I think the most entertaining series yeah. so far of the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, it feels like the most like well-balanced series that we've gotten in, in the playoffs. I mean, a three and a six seed, I mean, you wouldn't expect it, but this Warriors team probably didn't deserve to be in that sixth spot. I mean, had a rough going with injuries and stuff, especially to Curry early in the season. Um, yeah, but I mean, I think this is a series that you really couldn't have counted the Warriors out going into it. I mean, they are 0-9 in, in in those situations where they were down 0-2 before, so I think this is will be, this will be the first time where they're able to, you know, command this one and, and you know, uh, uh, steal a, a series where you're down 0-2 but that's the great thing about the NBA I mean you might go down 0-2 because you played in Sacramento two games but they went to they went to Golden State and easily took their two games back and I think that's what's great about the game is um when, when you go when you play these two games away I mean it, it feels like you're out of it but the moment you go home everything changes and and I think that this is easily the uh, Warriors series but it'll be interesting to see how De'Aaron Fox responds especially with that hand injury that's been lingering that happened in game four so yeah it'll be a very entertaining to watch going forward hopefully hopefully we get seven but I think if we're being real I hope the Warriors kind of steal in six I've kind of mentioned it on here before that just that in my opinion the way the playoffs go is that and once the teams most likely are going to win at home, and so that one, as soon as the team loses at home or an away team gets a steal, can still go in there and steal a win, I think that's kind of where the series shifts, and that kind of defines that'll be the that's like the defining moment of the series. And so, with the Warriors going in there, going into Sacramento, and like you said, Paxton, that hasn't even really been done before all season. Um, with the Kings just playing so well at home and getting a win, I feel like that's that's the com- the crucial turning point in this series that completely will push it over to the Warriors. Now, I mean, all they have to do is go win at home, and like I feel like, and nine times out of ten, most uh, most teams usually win at home when it comes to the playoffs. So I feel like they'll be able to close it out tonight. But I also want to kind of mention the Lakers; they have not won that playoff series yet. They still have to. Yeah. They still have one more win, and it's. I mean, obviously the momentum is kind of shifting, but like I said, a home playoff game is that if you can win, that's all you got to do. Once you still, because they already they were already um, didn't have home court advantage, but they got it still on the uh, still on the road. So if they can, all they have to do now is protect home court, and they can close the series up. Yeah, you talk about that home court. The Warriors are one of the best at home and one of the worst on the road, and they found a way to get that that win on the road. And JP talked about that that, that deficit O two, but I mean, you've got NBA champions on that team. You got Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. All these guys, they they know what it what it takes to win an NBA championship. And the Kings are completely opposite of that. I mean, they had the longest playoff drought in pro sports. And they finally found a way to get into the playoffs. They're a really young team. And, I mean, you got a team who is and coming off of an NBA championship. This is a team who's really experienced. And so tonight, or game six, will be a really interesting scenario. And I think that Golden State could take it just with the fact that they're playing at home. And if it does go to a game seven, they're experienced guys. They've been to game sevens before. So I think the Warriors could take one of these next two games. 
the Battle of Northern California is what I'm calling this one with the Kings and Warriors. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I'm expecting a physical game six. I mean, we've already seen Draymond Green <laughs> and uh, Sabonis going at it just in game two of yeah. the series. Now you're looking at one's uh, team season potentially being over with. I think we're looking for a very physical game. But let's move it on to the Lakers. Los Angeles Lakers lost their last game against the Memphis Grizzlies, 116-99, to 99, to officially move on to a game six of this series. But luckily for Los Angeles' sake, it is in L.A. So what's it looking like for L.A.? Do they close out the series tonight, or does Memphis force a game seven? Uh, well, me and Thomas were on the episode on, uh, I think it was either Monday, um, kind of talking about it. I think it might have been Wednesday, talking about it and. He predicted that the Lakers would lose the game, and I kind of thought they might hand they'd be able to go in there and handle it, and kind of what the momentum built off the game before. But I mean, I got to be honest, LeBron James just did not have a great game in that uh, in that in Game Five. Uh, he's probably deserves about 85 to 90 percent of the blame why they lost, and I'll give that last remaining percentage to Darvin Ham just because his rotations, his is not his lack of being able to call a timeout when the other team is on a run just with his substitutions he's not making he's not making great decisions but like I said LeBron also didn't play well so I mean if that's what it's going to take for the Grizzlies to kind of win a must because uh, I mean obviously it was a must win game for it was a closeout game for the Grizzlies so if it's going to take a performance like that from in my opinion the greatest player of all time I don't think the Grizzlies could should kind of bank on that. I feel like the with the game being at home, LeBron obviously looking to bounce back. I think he'll be able they'll be able to um, finish that series out tonight. Yeah, I mean that last game was crucial. I mean a, a dominant win in that fashion can really put this whole series on skates because now now you don't know which way it's headed. I mean especially with a you know a Lakers team that you know struggled when LeBron wasn't performing I don't think that'll be a consistent thing where LeBron isn't scoring over 20 points I mean him scoring 15 doesn't feel right I mean I think I think that's something that that'll get adjusted going in the next game but I mean if the, if the Memphis Grizzlies are able to steal another one this easily becomes one of the more exciting ones just because of what is on the line for LeBron James and this Grizzlies team and I mean and it's also you know a wonder how John Moran is still able to perform at a high level even with that hand injury I mean he's keeps jumping up and down falling on it and I mean he's still you know th- dropping 30 on the Lakers so it's v- cool to watch and I think that it'd be you know the most exciting if we saw Memphis steal another game here but but uh, I think the Lakers ultimately win the series I mean being up 3-1 if we know history uh, any justice you know um, that this most likely is a Lakers series yeah I think so too I think LeBron Anthony Davis they all have that experience you got this Grizzlies team who's younger you think about some of the some of like the off-court mistakes you, t- you talk about Dylan Brooks and his comments to LeBron you think about uh John Morant's suspension it's just a lot of off-court stuff and I just think on court off-court this Lakers team they're more mature than this Memphis Grizzlies team and I I think as well this could go to the Lakers in the end and I think they close it out tonight well y'all can see if either team will close it out tonight me and the Warriors or the Lakers Right there on ESPN, the first one will be the Kings and Warriors at 7 o'clock. And then following that game on the same ESPN will be the Grizzlies and the Lakers. Well, that's going to do it for NBA first-round playoff updates. But let's go over because one big event happened last night. Do you all know what that event is by chance? The draft. NFL draft. (laughs) NFL draft, exactly. And you know who was picked number one 
Alabama's very own 5'10 quarterback, Bryce Young, <laughs> picked right at number one from the Carolina Panthers to start this off. And he was one of three quarterbacks taken within the first five picks, the other two being C.J. Stroud right there at second. He's going to the Houston Texans. And then number four, Anthony Richardson, he's going to the Indianapolis Colts. I mean, guys, it was a really entertaining first round. Other than the top 10, it was a lot of defensive players, I've noticed. Very defensive-heavy draft. But other than that, what did y'all think of this draft? Were there any steals? Were there any surprises? I'm, I'm going to take a guess. Will Levis is probably the biggest surprise right now on everyone's radar. Oh, he's, I mean, he's surprised for sure. I saw an interview saying he wasn't, he didn't even, he was invited to the draft, but he wasn't, he was, he would go if he knew if for sure that he was going to be like one of the top picks because he didn't want to be there and he didn't want to be, he didn't want to go if he was going to be a second round pick and me and that guy that the cameras were all on, all in <laughs> yes. his face. Oh, and they stuff. were on him. And that's exactly what happened. So, I mean, I know he's surprised, but for me, the biggest surprise, and it might just be because I wanted, this is exactly what I wanted the Cowboys to be able to draft, is the Seattle Seahawks drafting Jackson Smith, Jackson Smith, I don't know. Najigba? Yeah, Najigba. That's how you say it. And so, uh, just with their wide receiver room, um, and I just kind of their needs, uh, I was thinking more they might go maybe offensive line or a defensive player. I was not with with them having DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, I just wasn't expecting to go with maybe with arguably the best receiver in the draft. So I mean, maybe it was just because I was praying and hoping he fell to us. But I can't be mad at our pick, Mozzie Smith, from D tackle from mm-hmm. Michigan. Should be he's a really good fit for our team. What we needed, so can't be mad about that. Yeah, I mean, that Seahawks pick was great because, I mean, you didn't see them. I mean, you saw them potentially going for, like, maybe a quarterback to fill Geno Smith. But, I mean, I think they're bought into Geno Smith and what he can do, especially with the production that they had last year. So, I mean, I'm glad that Geno Smith is still, you know, he's got his starting spot. I mean, he, he's proven that, you know, that all those years as a backup are really starting to pay off. Um, I think a highlight for me was the Bijan Robinson pick. I mean, it's kind of, I mean, I'm glad that, you know, he went top 10, it being the highest picked player from Texas since, um, I mean, Mal- Malcolm Brown got picked up, I think, you know, our offensive line a few years ago. 2015 was the last time they had a first rounder. And then mm-hmm. Cedric Benson was the, like, fourth pick in 20- 2005. So, I mean, it's been a long time since Texas has had a player drafted in the top 10. I mean, is it the right fit, though? We'll have to see. I mean, me and Pax were talking about how they just had a 1,000-yard rusher last year, and now they're picking up. I mean, I mean that was a bright spot for them last year. Yeah. And now they're picking up, a, you know, a once-in-a-lifetime running back in B. John Robinson. So we'll have to see. I mean, their quarterback group is still yet to be figured out i mean is desmond ritter the long time goal or is this a you know a year where they just they're bought into losing again and maybe they'll pick a quarterback next year um definitely an interesting spot though because this falcons team has a lot of needs and a lot of people talk about not drafting a quarterback or a running back high and this was one of the teams that probably shouldn't have i mean and now now they're um you know they drafted a, a running back at eight yeah, I think all three um, teams that drafted a quarterback, you could say that they all needed a quarterback. So I think that spot was filled. But I think the surprise for me was the Texans not getting C.J. Strout, but trading up to get uh, Alabama's Will Anderson. I think that was pretty interesting to me. I mean, especially coming off of that the Texans haven't had any draft picks, what seems like for years after Bill O'Brien blew up the Texans and got rid of Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins. So I thought that was interesting that the Texans were able to get not only the number two pick, but the number three pick as well. And hopefully for them, it pans out. 
and we'll see when the season starts. Yeah, I mean, that has D'Amico Ryans all over it. I mean, him being a defensive guy, I mean, drafting the quarterback of the franchise, and then, you know, cementing his pick, you know, getting a defensive guy who can lead the defense, and Will Anderson is definitely that guy for them. Mm-hmm. Which leads me to ask, is something special being built in Houston, Texas right now? Because they got Derek Stingley last year in the first round. They got Will Anderson now on the defensive line. And then they have C.J. Stroud under center. I mean, they're building something special there. It's just really a young team. A really young team. It's just a matter of how long it will take for them to all progress. But another key team, I hate to talk about them, but the Philadelphia Eagles had a really good first round last night. They got Jalen Carter at ninth and his good old teammate, Nolan Smith, right there at 31st pick. I mean, what a steal it was for them to get two high-caliber defensive players. They already have a great offense. They definitely needed help on the defense, and they just got two of the best players in the draft. Yeah, I mean, they're doing it. I mean, they're just basically trying to build Georgia. I mean, getting Jordan Davis last year, and then now getting Jalen Carter, and then able to, you know, get a linebacker in there, too. I mean, they're they're building something. I mean, obviously, last year losing, um, losing that final game was crucial, and I think that, you know, getting, you know, prioritizing defense can go a long ways because I mean, we already know they have tens of weapons so prioritizing defense you know can be a very you know uh, can lead to more success down the road yeah i agree i can't i don't even want to talk about the eagles you can just move on to the weather <laughs> <laughs> well i'm glad you said that because that is going to do it for our sports talk today but we got a little bit more for you we got a little weather update for y'all uh joey what's it looking like out there i know it's probably going to get bad here in a few hours yeah, probably. It's currently 77 degrees right now. Tonight, expect a weather around 55 degrees with a thunderstorm. So a 49% chance of rain for today. Let's look at the weekend. 76 is the high on Saturday. And Sunday, the high will be 88 with a low of 55. But Sunday, it is going to be sunny outside. So make sure you go out to Sewell Park on Sunday. Yeah, make sure to stay safe tonight because we are expecting about 70% of showers tonight. And apparently it's supposed to be really bad. And if we by chance have any listeners that are in the North Texas area, y'all make sure to stay safe because y'all are apparently supposed to get it the worst with expected tennis ball size hail. So y'all stay safe up there. Well, will you look at the time? (laughs) That's all it's going to be for us today and for this week. But don't worry. We will have you covered again with everything Texas State baseball and softball related next week on our Monday edition of Bobcat Radio. If you enjoyed this episode of Bobcat Radio or want to continue hearing anything Texas State and national related, then make sure to come and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at KTSW Sports. Make sure to also listen to our weekly podcast show, Claws to the Wall, on Spotify and just about anywhere you can stream music. Well, for Joey Gonzalez, Orlando Smart, and J.P. Flanagan, I'm Paxton Graff, thanking you for listening to this Friday edition of Bobcat Radio. Now, let's get you back to the other side of radio.